Hello and welcome to Tax Yak, a tax banter podcast. We love yakking about tax, so we've invited a range of tax experts and practitioners to have a chat with us. We hope you enjoy this episode of Tax Yak. I'm Nicole Rowan, a senior tax trainer with Tax Banter and your host of today's podcast, which is the first for 2022. Tax Banter has been following the development of Single Touch Payroll, or STP, since its inception, including holding a special webinar when STP was first introduced in March 2019 and featuring STP in two Tax Yak episodes. We're continuing that tradition today by looking at the rollout of STP Phase 2. And as a former ATO officer, I'm delighted to be joined today by Hayden Green from the ATO. Hayden is the Director of Single Touch Payroll Policy and Content at the Australian Tax Office and has extensive experience in tax administration and policy development. He's been involved in single touch payroll from the very beginning and in his current role, Hayden is responsible for the management of legislative and policy issues relating to STP and the delivery, delivery of guidance material to support employers and industry transition to STP phase two. Hayden, welcome to Tax Yak. Thanks, Nicole. It's great to be here. It, it's always terrific to have people from the ATO when the the changes are really all coming from the ATO. But it's um, it's been a, a lot of work to get STP rolled out, and I know that because I've spent this week, even though I've been on holidays and this is my first day back at work today, I've actually spent this week in some cases, re-listening to the ATO's STP phase two webinars. And there were five webinars that go for about an hour and a half, huge amounts of material, lots of people involved. So Hayden, you know, I can just imagine that it's been a, a really big effort within the ATO in not just delivering STP a couple of years ago, but now with the STP phase two rollout. How, how's the experience been for you? Very busy, I can say, Nicole, but um, we've been very lucky to have lots of people across the ATO, but also in the tax industry, the payroll industry, and also uh, from our partner government agencies such as Services Australia, the Fair Work Ombudsman, um, in getting this up, up and over the line so that we can really have that alignment across the system. Well, that's something that I noticed in the webinars, that it really is a team effort, but a team uh, that doesn't actually just involve the ATO. Um, as you said, Services Australia and the Fair Work Ombudsman have been involved. And I think their contributions in the webinars are terrific. We'll talk more about the webinars later. But uh, let's go back, I guess, and just talk about uh, single touch payroll. So perhaps if you could um, remind us, first of all, what single touch payroll is, just very briefly, but also what is the reason why we first uh, have moved to a STP, um, um, I, I guess an STP model for payroll. Yeah, of course. So single touch payroll was introduced in 2018 as a way of leveraging the natural processes that employers already undertake, particularly in relation to their payroll. And the purpose for that was to really bring visibility around uh, super entitlements particularly, um, because as we know, there has been quite a bit of attention around super in the last few years, but also to streamline some of the interactions that employers and employees have with the ATO in terms of their tax and super reporting or for employees with their tax return as well. 
And if you say it's been um, introduced in 2018, it's now 2022, you've had three years of um, STP, you know, being in place in some form, you know, subject to exceptions and, and uh, you know, later dates for small employers, for example. But what has it meant for the ATO and for those other agencies that have been involved? Uh, well, it's really meant that we've been able to have a lot better visibility and a lot more timely visibility on where issues and problems might be popping up within the tax and super systems, uh, super in particularly, but that extends also over into, uh, for example, things like uh, pay-to-go withholding, but also in, uh, in 2020, particularly with the economic stimulus packages, that gave us a great way of tapping into what was happening in the economy and helping businesses through that tough time. But what's really pleasing to see as well is that it's not just the ATO and government that's really seeing the benefit of STP in operation. This, uh, this visibility that STP has brought has really helped employees as well because they're now able to log on to ATO online services, see this information in just about real time. And we're seeing really pleasingly a lot of those employees are able to be responsive to changes in their circumstances as well without us needing to intervene or before problems even start to arise for them. So could you give me an experience, uh, sorry, an example of that please, Hayden? So uh, for an employee particularly, uh, let's say they may have made an estimate to Services Australia in relation to their income for family tax benefit purposes. And throughout the year, they're seeing on ATO Online their income statement as it updates every pay. They realise that they've underestimated and that might give them a family tax benefit debt at the end of the year. So they're able to then take steps to fix that before it becomes a problem at the end of the year when they launch their tax return. That's, a, that's actually a really good example. I do remember when I was um, having to deal with the F, um, family tax benefit regime and that challenge of estimating and getting it wrong and the consequences for getting it wrong. So, yeah, good example. Hopefully there are uh, many employees out there that are actually utilising that, um, that information. So, yeah, And for me, that's been the real positive of this as well is that it's not just the ATO that's being able to see and use this information, it's the employees who it directly affects being able to see and use it as well. Was that a surprise to you or was that always an anticipated outcome? Uh, to a degree, it was always anticipated, but I think it, it has surprised me a little just how much we have seen people taking these matters into their own hands and really proactively using the tools that we're now able to make available to them because of STP. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And I expect with superannuation as well, we still have huge issues as um, has, you know, brought, be, continues to be brought to the attention of, I guess, the public and the ATO of, um, of unpaid super. And the extra information that you have in your hands would really be assisting in identifying where and who, I guess, um, you know, needs attention from the ATO in that area. Yeah, absolutely. And STP really is just part of that broader fabric as well, because we've, in tandem with STP, we also have greater reporting from the super funds as well, which is enabling us, mm. particularly as regulator for super guarantee, to really identify problems early rather than 
leaving them until much later when we might not see them for a year or two under the previous systems that were in place. And to me, that's been one of the significant changes is that the you mentioned it at the start, the timeliness. In the past, I think non-compliance in relation to POYG withholding or payment of, of super guarantee contributions would sometimes take 18 months. It was kind of, you know, that 18 months was a bit of a ballpark figure that you expected for the ATO to identify the non-compliance. That's been brought right back, I would say, you know, to, you know, between a month and three months. Would that be right? Uh, in a lot of cases, yes. I mean, obviously, there are still going to be cases that take a bit longer, but having the information available, not just to us, but again, to the employees who can uh, identify themselves and uh, address those problems with their employers up front is also really um, a pleasing thing to see. Yeah. So I use the word compliance, and one of the requirements with STP is that employers need to be compliant with the STP process, because if they're not actually using STP, then you're not getting that information. So what does compliance mean? How are you ensuring compliance? And what do you do about non-compliance? Sorry about that, three questions in one, but I'll keep track. <laughs> no worries at all. So <laughs> the first thing I think I really need to point out is that non-compliance when it comes to STP is really low. Um, so we're four years into STP in operation now, and we have around 800,000 employers who are already reporting. Um, and that's 95% roughly of the employer population in Australia. Um, so employers in Australia have really come on board with STP and that's great to see. Now there is of course a little tale of those who haven't quite come on board yet. And that's really where our attention is looking at the moment. Um, so as I'm sure your listeners will know, larger employers from 2018 and smaller employers from 2019, they've now been required to be in the system for a couple of years. And so this is the point where we're looking at those who haven't started and really starting to question why. Um, and of course, what that means, and I don't like to be the tax person coming on here talking about penalties, but that does of course mean that there is potential for penalties for those employers. But what we'd really like to see is employers realising the benefits that SEP can bring, not only to the ATO, but in streamlining their processes as well, because they can move away from those previous paper-based uh, operations that they may be still uh, using because they're familiar, um, and moving into STP to really uh, have some benefits for them as well. I guess one of those benefits is the way that the information that you've reported via STP then gets, I guess, transformed into an income statement, which is the equivalent of a, uh, oh gosh, help me out here, PAYG. Uh, what is it? PAYG, payment summary. Payment exactly. summary, thank yeah, you. Not... I, I, I almost said group certificate. That just shows how old I am, Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think the term payment summary is almost going the same way as the term group certificate because with so many employers reporting, we now have around 13 million Australians who are receiving their income information at the end of the year through STP. Um, and so of course, what that means is that there are very few payment summaries left floating around in the system. But that's great to see for employers as well, because once you report through STP during the year, 
you get to the end of the year, you no longer have to do the payment summaries and hand them out to all of your employees by the 14th of July. You still do, of course, need to finalise your STP reporting, but that is a much more digital process than the payment summaries would have been previously. Um, but also, you will no longer need to send the, the annual reporting to us that followed the, the issue of payment summaries. And so really cutting back on some of those administrative steps is a great benefit we're seeing for employers. And I'm sure many of the employers listening to this podcast will agree. I think they will. Those that have, uh, and, you know, obviously the majority that have seen the system, I think understand that once you get all the information in there and all the information's, you know, correct and, and accurately reflecting the, the nature of the employee and so forth, that the the automation of it and the direct communication to the ATO really does reduce the time in that payroll process. So with Tax Banter, we deal with um, accountants and of course some of them will have you know excellent payroll knowledge and not all of them will some of them of course and some of their many of their clients will rely on payroll specialists and I think for those payroll specialists they really hopefully have already listened to those excellent ATO webinars but if not I highly recommend them but what we might focus on now though is what is STP phase do um, changing implementing you know enhancing and improving uh, on STP and okay, so basically we'll just talk about that rollout but talk about it from a accountant's perspective. What does it mean for accountants? What's new for them that they need to understand on behalf of their employer clients? So can you tell me about STP phase two? Yeah, certainly. So STP phase two, I like to think of as the next step in a bit of an iterative process that is STP. So whereas if we think back four or five years to the payment summary regime, we had a particular ATO form and that was this interaction that we're talking about with STP. Step one, which was the introduction of STP, was really about digitising that and leveraging an employer's natural processes through their payroll and their interactions with their accountants and other advisors. Phase two is now about bringing that data that is able to be uh, gained from STP and applying it to really streamline employers' interactions with government. So whereas STP phase one was about effectively digitising uh, an existing tax uh, to employer interaction, phase two is about, uh, is about bringing that to a broader perspective across government. So what we'll be seeing with STP phase two is it's not just about tax anymore. The information that's coming straight from an employer's payroll system flows through to the ATO for the employee's tax uh, income tax return and the employer's tax and super obligations, but also to other agencies like Services Australia when they're managing, particularly for employees, things like income tested payments and family tax benefit as well. So that really it, where employers were needing to tell the government the same thing multiple times on multiple different forms at different parts of the year. Now this is all coming into STP and you'll send us the STP report and that'll really cut down on a lot of the double handling that currently occurs for businesses. So we're, I guess, uh, implementing a, a report once mechanism. Is that what we're doing? Yes, to a, yep. to a degree, yes. Of course, <laughs> we can't eliminate everything, but mm. what we've, um, 
what's become really clear out of STP for the whole of government, I think, is that the employer's payroll system really is the source of so many things and so many interactions with government. And you can look at, for example, employer reporting to child support, employer reporting on the separation certificate um, as examples of the things that uh, government agencies that aren't the ATO, uh, that still comes directly from the employer's payroll system as the ultimate source of truth. But it in the past, it has to come in an additional form and now it's all in one form, one source, uh, which we've already acknowledged, but it's going to, it's going to uh, also one source, but then being made available to those other agencies. Is that, is that what you're saying there? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So part of, part of what STP2 is about is moving the focus away from the specific tax purpose of what was previously a payment summary or the STP phase one report and identifying the things that an employer would tell government in different ways across different, uh, different channels and integrating them into STP in a way that means they do only need to tell us the same that same thing once. Yeah, great. So, well, let's talk some specifics about STP phase two then, in terms of what's different, because we've still got the same source, it's still payroll information, but it looks, a little bit different and perhaps we should just also mention dates. Um, STP phase two started from 1 January 2022 and our listeners are probably listening to this at about the end of January 22, start of February. So it's been in place and we'll come back to uh, this issue of whether you've got an extension or not. So if you if you or your employer clients don't have it in place yet, don't worry of course, but um, it's basically now has been rolled out. So what's different and new in relation to the information that's being collected in that same payroll software space and then being transferred uh, to the ATO? So the main difference, um, really, if we think about the STP phase one report, and I have to admit, I'm sure not many people have actually pulled the STP file out of their software to have a look at it. But when that came through to us, what that looked like was very similar to the previous paper payment summaries in that there'd be a gross income figure, tax withheld, and maybe some allowances. The big change for STP phase two is that we're undergoing a process that we've called disaggregation. And what that means is rather than having an employer add everything up to put into gross, we're taking a step back, aligning more closely with the way that uh, types of payments are categorised for fair work purposes and sorting those into a number of different categories to be able to then pass through into the FTP report. So what that means is that instead of just having gross and tax on a payment summary or STP phase one report, what we'll have in STP phase two is still gross, of course, because we can't get rid of, of that category but also things like overtime, bonuses and commissions, paid leave and salary sacrifice identified separately. Now, the reason we're doing that, of course, is that 
while tax might treat those things very similarly, that's not the case across government. So particularly in the Services Australia and Social Security arena, um, things like paid leave are treated quite differently to, for example, overtime. And that's why we're splitting those out into the disaggregated format of STP phase two, so that rather than an employer adding them all up and just giving us a number, we can identify the bits and pieces that are treated differently and add them up in the way that best suits the purpose that the information is being used for. So that's the disaggregation process. And um, perhaps I'll ask you to talk a little bit about allowances as well because allowances are also being separated out. You're being really clear about different allowance types because if we actually do come back to the tax base, some uh, allowances are treated differently within the tax base. Some of them, there is a PAYG withholding obligation. Some of them, super guarantee needs to be paid on those amounts, whereas others are exempt from super and there's no PAYG obligation. So you are also separating out different allowances. Do you want to talk about that a little bit and the different types? Is that something that you could do yeah. today? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. So it's much, uh, um, as you mentioned, it's much a similar sort of rationale for disaggregation more broadly, but the allowances rules particularly having some separately itemised and some not, and that being dependent particularly on what kind of income the person was receiving, that was a bit of a recipe for confusion. Um, and it was really hard to understand. And people, we were seeing this in STP phase one, people were finding it hard to get that right. So what we've done in STP phase two as part of this is to introduce separate reporting of all allowances to reduce some of that confusion, but also to support the, um, the purposes I've already mentioned, like Services Australia, where some of those allowances are treated differently. So um, one of the big changes in STP phase two is that the allowance categories that employers will be familiar with from STP phase one and payment summaries before that as being separately itemized, a number of those are changing. So in STP phase two, for example, rather than having car allowance as a category, it's becoming the much more specific cents per kilometer allowance category. And that's because for pay-to-go withholding purposes particularly, um, it is treated a bit differently. And so the, what these changes to allowances are trying to do is, while we can't remove a lot of the complexity from allowances because, of, as you mentioned, there are the tax rules around them, what we've been able to do, I think, through STP phase two is make the reporting of those a lot more predictable than was the case in the past. And I think one of the ways that you've done that is have very clear, um, what's the word, options, I think. So in that people cannot make up their own uh, category, for example. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And um, that's another thing that we've learned from STP phase one, because of course, um, STP phase one wasn't just an opportunity to digitise payroll process, it was an opportunity for us to also learn about some of this behaviour from employers that has been making things difficult for them particularly, but also for us when it comes to the employee's tax return. Um, and we were seeing, for example, things like bonuses being reported as an allowance. Mm. And 
the feedback we've had on that was really because it was quite hard to know well, where was this bonus supposed to go? And so mm. they put it in an allowance box, called it an allowance, but that's not actually what it is. So hopefully by having these defined categories, what employers will find is that while, of course, we can't align everything in the STP report with what it might be called in an award, for example, the categories are going to become quite predictable for them so they can get a feel of just what should be going in that box. So one of the other areas of disaggregation, as you mentioned, was to separate out amounts that are salary sacrifice amounts. But you're going even further than that. And with those salary sacrifice amounts, this is what I understand, I hope I'm right, is that you're also going to have to ha have um, a box for salary sacrificed amounts to super and then another box for other salary sacrificed amounts to, for example, you know, motor vehicle or something like that. So my understanding is one of the, perhaps the reason, but certainly the benefit of that is when we're calculating our super guarantee contribution, which since 1 January 2020 has to include or has to be calculated on salary, salary sacrifice amounts to super, that information's there for the employer separately, but it's also there for the ATO when they're comparing data that they get from the different sources, including from the superannuation funds, they can actually compare the super contributions that, that has been made by the employer on behalf of the employees against not just the, you know, the, the ordinary time earnings, which would be, you know, largely um, the gross amount, but also um, they can add to that gross amount or the OTE amount, the salary sacrifice super amounts, and then ensure that the right super has been paid on on those amounts. Is that right? Is that was that all part of the plan? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So salary sacrifice is an area that is quite a big change in STP phase two, um, and the the main change there is that. If we step away from salary sacrifice and look at the other categories such as gross income or paid leave, historically employers have always reported post-salary sacrifice amounts. So you know, the employee will have their, their gross pay, they'll sacrifice some of it, and whatever's left was what got reported to the ATO. That's changing in STP2. So STP2 is all about reporting pre-sacrifice amounts. And you're absolutely right in that one of the drivers for that is to uh, pick up on that law change that came into effect from the 1st of January 2020 in relation to salary sacrifice super. But also um, we've introduced the salary sacrifice reporting for the other benefits such as the motor vehicle lease to recognise that while the ATO might not treat those differently for superannuation purposes, Services Australia does because to use um, right, yeah. a quite common example, um, Services Australia, when income testing an employee's claim, for example, will now be able to look at that and see, okay, such and such has, um, they've told us that they receive, um, you know, X dollars in their pay every week, and that's great. But over here, they're sacrificing 90% of it. And Services Australia will be able to see that now when they're means testing, for example, income support payments. Um, so whilst, while the super salary sacrifice is one driver, 
the changes to salary sacrifice really are about supporting, again, that broader government use of this information as well. Mm. But and the key thing, I think, for your listeners to remember is that big change from STP1 into STP2 that we're switching from post-sacrifice to pre-sacrifice reporting. Because when it comes to, for example, pre-filling an employee's income tax return, rather than the employer doing the adding up before they sent the information to us, now the ATO will just do that adding up instead. Right, yep. So I guess that comes down to a point which um, I had a conversation with a friend yesterday over Facebook uh, as I was... um, as I was listening to the webinars, I thought I'd just reach out to Facebook and see if anyone wanted to know about STP phase two. And um, one of my friends who runs a business and does the payroll for the business said, oh, look, it just feels overwhelming. And I said, you know what, I think it's just get everything set up at the start. That might take a little bit of extra time, understanding the new boxes, allocating um, the codes that you have, like your, your income categories, your allowance codes, et cetera. But I think once it's set up, I think it'll be quite intuitive and quite useful. So has that been your experience, I guess, in terms of working across from the, you know, the information that you're gathering to the practical impl- implementation, which is working with the software providers? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So what we've been finding is that historically, there's been two separate and very separate um, processes that employees employers, sorry, will um, will undergo when they're doing their payroll. The first is uh, to meet their fair work obligations. So make sure they're paying their employees the right things at the right times. Then very separately, they've then dealt with the tax and super consequences. What STP phase two we're finding is doing because there's much greater alignment between those two systems now, uh, it's to a degree uncovering some of the complexity of payroll that has always been there but to a degree for the tax side of things certainly has been able to be hidden by just putting everything into gross. And so what I'd say to those who are about to make the transition is that try not to think of STP phase two in isolation. It's not you know, something new that we're trying to do to make everyone's life hard. We're really trying to draw that link from the things you're already doing in the fair work space and in having fair work compliant payroll through into the natural consequences of paying someone when it comes to tax and super. So it's really bringing that human resources and the, you know, the I guess, tax and legal obligations of the employer together in the one space. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So one of the things with super, and you talked at the start about how this has very much been driven by ensuring super compliance, but some of the sections in um, uh, the Super Guarantee Administration Act, particularly Section 12, can sometimes still surprise people in terms of the obligations of employers for superannuation. And I'm specifically talking uh, about Section 12, subsection 3, which places an obligation on people who pay contractors uh, to actually make super contribu- contributions in respect of those contractors. Now, help me out with the wording here, Hayden. It's, um, as I said, it's a bit, I'm a bit rusty of one day back. Um, where there is, where, where someone is paid um, under a contract that is um, wholly or principally for the labour of that person, 
then not, notwithstanding that you refer to them as a contract, you pay them under an ABN, you've never you know, got them to complete a tax file number declaration or anything like that, there is a super obligation. So that's really the operation of section 12.3. Now, what I've seen in terms of going through all your webinars is that that kind of payment to a contractor has now got a specific income type. I think it's an income type. And by recognizing that in the payroll system, then it's kind of going to, I guess, um, act as a reminder or a prompt that they're superannuation owing in respect of that contractor, if they're employed under a contract that's wholly or principally for the labor of that person. So can you talk a bit more about that, Hayden? Yes, yeah, certainly. So I think the first thing I do need to mention there is that when it comes to reporting uh, in respect of that through STP, it is voluntary. Um, so that's the first thing I do need to mention there. But what we're seeing is that because uh, businesses that are paying people under contracts that are principally or wholly or principally for their labour are often managing those payments through payroll systems. Reporting that even on a voluntary basis is a really great way we're finding of not just um, giving visibility to the ATO to show that, hey, yes, we've, um, we know we have a super obligation here. It's really great to see that the people involved, the workers, are also able to see that acknowledgement and head off any of these issues early. And that really ties back into what I was speaking about earlier when it comes to it's not just the ATO's early visibility that is paying the dividends from SJP, it's the people who may not necessarily have recognised that they would use some super before, they're now able to see that, yes, there is super here and yes, here's uh, reporting to the ATO from my super fund that shows me when it was paid. And so really being able to have that information available is really, I think, supporting uh, that interaction between businesses and their workers around their super and supporting those conversations as well. Yeah, great. So I just want to come back to um, the first point there. So the reporting of payments made to um, an individual under a contract that's wholly or principally for their labour, the reporting of that is not compulsory. That's uh, the reporting is voluntary and um, the STP phase two accommodates that reporting by having that particular income type, but the payment of super under section 12.3 of the Super Guarantee Act is compulsory, whether or not it's reported by a single touch payroll um, or not. Would that be right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's yep. definitely okay. right. All right, so that's contractors. Now let's talk about uh, this concept of closely held employees. So closely held employees, so for example, directors of a company, trustees, beneficiaries of a trust, for the initial introduction of single touch payroll, they got a significant exemption. So they didn't actually need to start reporting payments or the employer, the company, the trust, didn't need to report um, certain payments under STP until 1 July, 2021. So of course, 1 July, 2021 has come and, come and gone, how has that change been? What have you seen? Uh, can you remind everyone what um, what closely or what needs to be reported in respect of payments to closely held employees and how that can be reported? Okay, so I think I'll start with the um, the what of reporting. So much like for arm's length employees, 
things like salary and wages, direct and fees, they are reportable through FTP, whether you're closely held or not. Um, of course, we did have that exemption in place for reporting through FTP until the 1st of July 2021, but we did see that a number of closely held, uh, a number of businesses with closely held payees did start reporting before that, even though they didn't have to, because and I they, think, to be they honest, recognised. I think the economic stimulus measures, you know, the JobKeeper was a um, was an impetus for that reporting. I think that certainly helped. It certainly did. But um, it's great to see that once those measures have wrapped up, the businesses that started STP reporting during that time have kept it up. And that's really great to see. But we have also seen, of course, since the 1st of July, that um, a modest number of businesses with closely held payees have started coming on board to STP. Now, of course, as part of that, we do need to recognise that um, we have really only had one quarter of um, of reporting for that because yes, for those, yes. of those listeners who aren't aware, we do have some, even though we've removed the exemption, we do still have some concessional reporting options that um, mean that these businesses, while STP reporting, can do so on a quarterly basis rather than every pay. And so now, because we are January 2022 right now, we have only really had one quarter of um, that is completed and had a lodgement cycle. Um, so, and that's, of course, the September quarter. But that quarter was also, of course, as we know, um, quite difficult for a lot of businesses across the country. So. We have seen a modest number of businesses starting their STP reporting in September, but we are expecting, of course, that more and more of these closely held businesses will come on board as the year progresses. And so what needs to be reported by um, the employer of closely held employees and how do they report that? Uh, so essentially it's, the same things that you'd need to report for an arm's length employee. So salary and wages, directors fees, ETPs, um, which I think are less relevant in this space. Um, but really the, the differences in FTP reporting for this group are not so much in the what of reporting because you have to report the same things that you would for an arm's length employee. I think per um, perhaps it's, it's worth mentioning, mentioning um, Salary sacrifice as well, salary sacrifice payments to you. Yes, so um, here, this is one where I think our timing uh, don't quite marry up nicely, which is a little unfortunate, but of course, for those closely held businesses who have started reporting, and most of those will have been reporting through STP phase one. And of course, we don't have the salary sacrifice reporting in STP phase one. Um, but of course, closely held payees will still need to transition across to STP phase two on the same time frame as all other businesses. So what we will see is that these businesses will start reporting through STP phase two in terms of their salary and wages broken down into the phase two components. And sorry, I interrupted you. We're going to, I think, talk about the how in terms in um, I guess I think what you're saying is that the payments to closely held payees, it's the same types of payments that have to be reported, but there's some differences in how. 
Yeah, that's right. So um, I think we can split how down into two sort of subcategories, which is the the actual mechanics of how the STP report gets to the ATO, which is through STP-enabled uh, software. That is the same for closely held businesses as well. So you still have to report using STP-enabled software. There is there's no alternate arrangements in that respect. But what we do have, and I did touch on this a little bit before, um, is that we have a couple of concessional options in terms of reporting that shift the due dates out from being every single time you pay out to you know, once a month or once a quarter, depending on your pay-as-you-go withholding activity statement cycle. Um, so we have three options there, and I won't go into that in great detail here because I could sp I could speak about those all day. But if you head over to ato.gov.au slash STP closely held, we have a lot of information there about what actually is involved in the three options we have. Yeah, look, it does get quite quite complex. And I, I do think that's a good idea for those that are uh, assisting closely held um, payees, uh, working working with companies or trust with closely held payees. The I guess the old way of doing things uh, for, for many, although I think I have seen it certainly transition uh, over the last few years, certainly, where you might get the um, the, the books from your, your client in February, once you've had a look at all the information and understood the financial position, you know, their profit position for the, the previous financial year, you might then determine wages to pay. Obviously, a very different approach to that now. Um, there needs to be uh, consideration of the reporting as the year is going, not um, after the end of the financial year. So certainly a different approach and, and accountants are very much at the forefront of assisting their clients in implementing and, and being compliant with that new approach. Although, as you say, we've only yeah, had that, one go at it. Yeah, so, that's right. And um, what, what helps me, I think, when I'm picturing that transition that, like you said, um, businesses are starting to do now as they come into STP is that from 2018, when we were introducing STP phase one, uh, a lot of businesses were making the shift, both in terms of the way they think about their tax reporting, but also in the businesses, business processes they have set up to support it from an end of year process that only ever happened once a year into reporting to the ATO uh, more often and earlier than they otherwise would. And so what we're seeing now with businesses that have closely held payees is that it's now time for them to make that same shift. So whereas previously they will have been reporting once a year at the end of the year, that's now shifting into more often and earlier than was the case previously. Yeah, and certainly there has been that gradual shift to that. It's just, uh, it's absolutely has to happen now with STP phase two. So what are the things that everyone's um, relying on in the rollout of STP, not just the ATO, but the employers, and of course, all your associated agencies as well, is the software. So I know you've, that the ATO has been working really closely with the software providers. And in some cases, the software is ready, has been rolled out, is allowing STP phase two reporting uh, as we speak. And it was ready even before, in some cases, before 1 January, 2022. But in circumstances where the software is not ready, can we just talk about what the employer's obligations are, whether they've got any actions to take at all? And I guess, you know, where does that leave an employer if their software provider is not ready yet? 
Okay, so um, even though STP phase two reporting did start on the 1st of January, what we have set up with the DS, uh, with the digital service providers is um, a system that we don't want everyone coming on all at once. Um, you know, that big bang approach is, to be honest, really hard for everyone. So what we have is we've been working with the digital service providers over many, many months now on a deferrals program. So while we do have around 20 digital service providers whose products do offer STP phase two reporting, and there are around 6,000 employers who are now reporting using STP phase two, that's only a portion of overall about 300 digital service providers in the market. So uh, what we're working with the digital service providers to do is to have those products come on gradually. So for those who aren't quite ready yet or need a bit more time, the digital service provider will have been granted a deferral by the ATO. And that gives all of their customers a later start date based on when that product will be ready to start STP phase two reporting. And so the employer should the have had various... communication from the digital service provider about the date that they'll be ready. Is that right then? Yeah, that's right. So yep. we... Um, we did finish processing those deferrals with the digital service providers just before Christmas. So mm -hmm. if you haven't heard from your digital service provider just yet, um, no doubt you will very, very soon because um, all of those digital service providers now should have their plans about when they are moving into STP phase two. And that's happening gradually across 2022. Um, so digital so service from providers- So that, Hayden, I, I expected- Yeah, I expected that the phase two implementation would basically all the software um, or the, the digital service providers would be ready by the 1st of March. Are you saying that that's possibly not the case? No, that's definitely not the case. Right. So okay. while, we, while there will be a, um, a group of digital service providers whose products will be ready for SPP2 reporting before the 1st of March, there will be a lot who aren't and they will have deferrals that the ATO has, has given them to allow their customers to start later. So if you're a customer of a digital service provider and their deferred start date is, for example, the 1st of July, we have quite a few of those, then that's when you need to start. Um, you don't need to worry about trying to start by March if your product's not ready. Okay, all and right. So employers who have been told by their digital service provider, their payroll software provider, that they're only, or they've got a deferral for STP phase two until the 1st of July. That deferral then automatically is applied to that employer, the customer of the um, provider. And therefore there's yeah, nothing more right. they need to do. They don't need to worry. They don't need to panic. They just need to continue to wait for their, their digital service provider to, to upgrade its, um, its software, its, you know, system. And then once it's upgraded, then they, you know, start to Im implement and input all of the, you know, new or different information. That's right. In terms of the formal steps to take, wait for your digital service provider. They will tell you when you need to start because they will have the deferred start date from the ATO. And in the meantime, keep reporting using STP phase one. That being said, of course, STP phase two is coming for everyone across throughout, throughout 2022. So even though there might not be any particular steps you can take in your product right now, 
there is always preparation work that you can do to make sure you understand what is coming and what you will need to do when the time comes and make sure that you're ready for that. So what's some examples of the preparation that they can do? Uh, so one thing we've seen quite a lot coming out of the employers who have already started is they're, go they're able to identify parts where parts of their payroll that could use a tidy up, for example. Um, now, to use an example that one of our industry panelists on our webinars uh, used is that you know, some businesses may have a payroll set up where they have a pay code for every person. So there's John's pay, Sue's pay, Bob's pay, and so on and so forth. When really uh, their payroll is able to be set up in a Sorry, this is hard to express because I'm not a payroll professional and I'm sure payroll professionals will shudder in horror when they, whenever they hear me talk about this stuff. But um, it's really that tidy up preparation work to understand that, okay, when SDP phase two comes along, I need to report you know, allowances over here, leave over here, um, so on and so forth. I've done my preparation work to understand how to do that. Um, and to a degree that will be in partnership with the digital service providers who will provide them instructions for transitioning over um, specific to the product that they use. But um, it's really, it really comes down to general housekeeping and general understanding of what is coming so that it's not a surprise and you're trying to cram all of your learning on STP phase two into a couple of weeks after your digital service provider tells you, yes, we're ready, off you go. Yeah, I, I do recall that episode. It was about, I think, consolidating some of those tax codes and actually looking across and seeing, you know, if people have continued to, um, you know, staff have created multiple different codes which can actually all be consolidated. Now, obviously, we're looking at disaggregation, but it's a, a um, as you say, and as it was said in the webinar, it is, it is a good chance to maybe reset some of your payroll processes so that they're consistent with the obligations and requirements and opportunities, I think it should be said, under STP phase two as well. Yeah, and that's being right. Re being and really definitely clear. do go listen to our eight. Yeah, go. Sorry, I was going to say definitely do go listen to our webinar series that we did just before Christmas because we do have uh, panelists from the payroll industry and payroll professionals on those webinars with us and they're able to explain the, the complexities of this payroll um, management aspect much more articulately than I can coming from a tax perspective. Yeah, absolutely. If if um, you're listening and you do the payroll, uh, whether you consider yourself a specialist or not, if you do pay your payroll, you are, then I cannot uh, recommend those webinars enough. They were um, really well presented, really interesting, very well focused on all the, the different areas. But also, as I said at the start, what um, what the webinars did really well was actually bring together a team of people, including people outside of the ATO. So um, as Hayden just said, uh, payroll specialists, people that actually really know and understand payroll software, as well as bringing the Fair Work Ombudsman Services Australia, bringing their perspectives in as well. So I highly recommend that you do listen to those webinars. Yes, there's quite a few of them, but if if payroll is your responsibility, cannot recommend it enough. Uh, I understand there's also an employer guide as well, Hayden. Yeah, absolutely. So it, of course, as well as our 
um, our webinars, we do have very, very detailed guidance in an employer guide on our website. And that goes through uh, just about everything you could want to know, I think. Well, no, sorry, someone will, um, <laughs> someone will yell at me for saying that, but it is very, very detailed guidance on what the new uh, fields are in the STP report and what sorts of things need to be reported. And if there's nuance around how to report them, it goes into a lot of that detail as well. And so that's on ato.gov.au slash STP. Um, you'll be able to click through into that employer guide. I think there's about 80 pages of material there. So hopefully a lot of employers are able to find that useful. And can I congratulate you and the ATO on learning from, you know, the initial STP rollout? So, you know, identifying things where, where it wasn't working as well as it could for both yourselves and for the employers. So I think that's really good that you've actually used this STP phase two rollout to, to make those improvements and changes. So good on you for that. We better uh, wrap up, I think, but just um, before we go, is there anything that you feel like you need to say that hasn't been said yet to accountants and their employers, uh, you know, in this um, kind of rollout phase? Um, so I think the key message I'd have for accountants and employers in this rollout phase for STP phase two is don't think about STP2 in isolation from everything else. It really is part of a continuum that starts with your payroll and then works its way through. So um, if you're trying to work this out solely on the basis of tax, you may have a, a very hard time, but really appreciate that there is a fair work aspect to this that perhaps in your tax reporting you never, have never had to deal with before that then flows through into tax and super. And of course there are resources available to help with those as well through your payroll networks and from the Fair Work Ombudsman because they've been great partners as well in developing STP phase two. Great. Thank you, Hayden. I really appreciate you being um, here today for this episode of TaxYAC. Um, Hayden Green is the Director of Single Touch Payroll Policy and Content at the Australian Taxation Office. And whether you're a practitioner or an employer, I think what's really important is that you understand when your compliance date is. When does your um, employer need to be compliant? And that's really, I think I've got the message right, Hayden, that's really going to be determined by the compliance date for the, or the extension deferral start date for the digital service provider, the software provider. So that's the kind of information that you need to um, be clear about in, in terms of understanding uh, for each employer, when their start date um, uh, is. So thanks very much, Hayden, for coming in today. I did try and say that it would be less than an hour, but I think we've definitely um, covered a lot of material over at least an hour. I really appreciate your time. Always appreciate the ATO um, providing time to Tax Banter and to the Tax Gap podcast to help uh, all our listeners understand these um, important changes. And thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to comment, or sorry, to connect with us on social media, you can find Tax Banter on LinkedIn and Twitter. Let us know your take on episodes and you can also suggest future topics or speakers. You can contact the TaxIAC team on emails. That's podcast at taxbanter.com.au. And you can find our regular blog articles at taxbanter.com.au forward slash banter hyphen blog. 
If you're enjoying our podcast, please take a moment to rate and write a review for the show wherever you are. It will help to improve the profile of the show and would love to hear your thoughts. So once again, thanks very much to Hayden Green from the ATO uh, for being on our TaxIAC um, episode today, talking about single touch payroll phase two. We look forward to you joining us next time. Thank you.